Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz bassist and a member of the collective known as Myriad 3, Dan Fortan. They just released a great sonic soundscape of an album in 2016's Moons, and the Canadian act came together in 2010 primarily by accident. To date, they have four albums. They have been nominated for a Juno Award, had multiple tours of Canada, the U.S. and Europe, and Dan has plenty of insights into the history and future of Myriad 3. So please dig this interview, my friends. Thanks for taking a little time out for me today. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and dive right in here. I know that you have the new album out, Moons, which is a great album, but I want to know, in your words, on behalf of the band, kind of activity that's going on with the group these days. Right now, uh, well, we're actually, we've been rehearsing a bunch this summer. We're, we're already getting ready to sort of prepare a bunch of new material. The next big thing on the horizon is uh, we're heading to Tokyo uh, to play the Tokyo Jazz Festival in September, uh, which we're really excited about. And then uh, and then after that, we're preparing for, we've got some stuff uh, that we're working on in Europe in April, and there's going to be some stuff in the U.S. as well. Um, so, yeah, we're always, we're kind of always trying to look look a few months in advance. Good deal. Well, have you ever been to Japan? Yeah, I've actually been twice before, and as a band, uh, we've been once. We were there in, in uh, November 2015 for, uh, we, we played at like a big showcase at the Canadian Embassy there. From what I understand, I always hear that the audience is, it's rapt attention, they love jazz, very good stewards of the craft. Talk to me a little bit about playing in front of Japanese audiences. Uh, I mean, I really like it. It's it, it that, that's very true. I mean, they're you know um, very very attentive, very respectful. It's it's actually kind of unnerving if you're used to playing in you know rowdy you know uh, North American bars where there's always <laughs> talking and you know ordering drinks and so it's it actually like takes a minute where you know everybody kind of is clapping and then after the song it's like totally silent. It's, you know, <laughs> so I was like, oh, but um, but I mean. I always, I've always found Japanese audiences to be really, really fantastic, really into the music, really dedicated listeners. That must say something about the North Americas if we're that <laughs> <laughs> that rowdy during shows and they're that you know into it. But I, I always love hearing the stories, and that's kind of a uh, a silver lining of the stories that they're very respectful and they're very into it. That that to me, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I mean, Japan's an amazing place because I mean, it's it's. I, the thing I always find so incredible is how how much I mean. There's this massive respect for their traditional culture there, but then also so forward thinking. Like there's so much amazing, you know, Japanese electronic and improvised music, um, you know, arts wise. So it's 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 really amazing the range of stuff that you get there. And I feel like that you know those interests kind of come through in the audiences. Like they're really into checking out new music. So it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is so. Let's talk a little bit about your latest album, Moons. It's a real sonic landscape. There's a lot of really good uh, good stuff going on in this album. Talk to me about how this album came about and how you feel about it now that it's out. Thanks. Yeah, um, we're really, really happy with, with this record. I mean, I, I think uh, it's it's our favorite yet. I mean, with, with this band, we all kind of individually write songs, uh, but ultimately, you know, I feel that this is our third record now, and I feel like we've really kind of hit our stride, just in terms of our of our process, you know? So each person will bring in a song um, individually that's been written, but then once it's there, it really becomes sort of a, a product of the band. Like, everybody has a lot of input, and in some cases, we'll take 
will take months just developing the song, um, you know, trying to make it reflect not just like one composer's sort of view, but the, the whole band's as a, you know, as a whole. So I think for us trying to find that through line between our, our, our compositional styles has always been a goal, and I feel like we've, we've really figured it out with this record. So in 2010, you come together as a group by accident. Talk to me about the formation of the group. Yeah, well, we're, we all went to the University of Toronto, but at, at slightly different times. So uh, Ernesto and Chris were there at the same time, and then I think Ernesto graduated the year before I arrived there. And then So Ernesto and Chris had played together a bunch, and Chris and I had played together a bunch, and what's the other combination there? And and yeah, we all we all played in duos basically, right? And and in you know in various settings. And basically, there was a show that Ernesto and Chris had together with with another bass player, but he got hurt himself and had to sub out. So I got a call last minute, and and we went and you know played it, and it was pretty interesting. Uh, and then a couple more months passed, and the same thing happened. Ernesto and I had a show, and the piano player had to cancel. So you know. We called Chris because we played with him recently. I think kind of right off the bat, we just kind of noticed the dynamic was really interesting. I mean, one thing I always find is a lot of the time with bands, you end up forming groups with people who have really similar influences and interests. But I think the three of us, we've we're all coming from slightly different places. We all listen to slightly different music, and we also, you know, we're all we're really tight friends too. So it's kind of a different dynamic like everybody brings something slightly different to the table so it's the kind of thing that i don't know if we would have naturally formed a band but because of those circumstances we ended up playing together and kind of noticing that the musical dynamic was was kind of unique like we were you know we had something that for the three of us felt different than anything else we'd done so it it felt like something to pursue at that point so it says that each of you act simultaneously as leaders and sidemen. What does that mean? How does that work for you as a band? I mean, I think, you know, in a piano trio especially, like, you know, typically the pianist is really playing the lead role musically, is, is really sort of driving the, the, the ship, so to speak. And I, and I think what we try to do uh, is kind of take turns and not uh, restrict ourselves to the kind of typical roles that our instruments sort of play. And, you know, because all three of us write for the band, we all kind of take turns sort of like pushing the band in different little directions just to see how it works. And then as sidemen, you know, when somebody else's song, as sidemen, we kind of give our own input. And it's a really nice balance. And, and the same thing goes actually for just the the business of of running a band we all sort of have our strengths and and you know different people take care of different things so you know when it comes to like booking shows i'm very much a sideman because ernesto does a lot of that but then you know uh both of us are kind of sideman when it comes to i mean you know the financial side of things with which chris takes takes care of so we all kind of take turns you know, in a leadership sort of position. So if somebody's getting ready to see you as a band, they want to go see Myriad 3, and they look on paper, and they're like, okay, you've released four albums, one in 2012, that was your debut, called Tell, 2014, The Wear, Tell, in 2015, and this newest one. But in your words as a band member, give me a synopsis of this band's history. I think with this band, I mean, it's... You know, three musicians basically trying to reconcile a whole bunch of different musical worlds together. You know, trying to make sense of uh, jazz influences and electronic music and rock music and classical music. And trying to make a music that doesn't 
you know, only reflect one of those one of those influences at a time, but really tries to make kind of a singular sound that reflects all of those things. So in 2015, you receive a Juno nomination, the, the version of the Grammys for the American audience to understand. Yeah. That album was very well acclaimed. How did that feel after being together for five years to finally get to that point where the industry said, man, this is good? It was really exciting too, and I mean, you know, we were we were especially excited to to receive that you know that nomination for our second record, you know, because that only came I think two years after, maybe a year and a half after our our first album. So, you know, it felt that that recognition just felt it felt really really great. The one thing we touched on at the top of this interview was that you uh, the the Japanese trips and you're going over there, but you've also been around Canada, obviously your home country, the United States, Europe. You've been around quite a bit. What does travel do for you as a nucleus, as a band, to enhance the way that you write and approach and deliver music to fans? I mean, I've always found that it's it's really hard to make music with people that you, you don't get along with. And, and for us, you know, like, we'll often get together for rehearsal and then, and, you know, we'll end up hanging out and just talking more than we will even playing. And I, I think that side of things you know, um, is really, really important. It's just as important as playing together, you know, so we'll spend a lot of time, you know, trying to decide exactly where to eat and, you know, making that a real focus and, you know, and, and then just kind of, you know, goofing around a lot too. So for me, I feel like, you know, the, the sort of social element is as important as the musical thing. And, you know, you always hear about these stories about all these bands that famously didn't get along. And for me, I've just never been able to imagine that being the case, you know, because I've, I feel so strongly about the personal dynamic being as strong as the, as the musical one. Sometimes with musicians, their influences come out in subtle ways in their music. Tell me this, as a band, who would you all consider your jazz heroes? Who have influenced you the most? Uh, I mean, I think Thelonious Monk is somebody, uh, in terms of the jazz tradition, who we would all really look to. I love Monk because, you know, I mean, he's one of the creators of, of Bebop, but also the thing I always love about his playing is that, you know, he, he sounds super modern, but then you can also hear or Tatum, and you can hear, like, all the stride pianists in him. So it's like, a, it's, it isn't, like, so polarized, where it's like, he sounds traditional or he sounds modern. It's just, like, this total thing. And I mean, I feel the same way about Ornette Coleman, you know, like, that music sounds so modern, but it's also, like, so folky. You know, like the melodies are so simple a lot of the time, you know, so I feel like those two guys come across a lot. There's a there's a bunch of people. I, I feel like Monk is the one who comes up, who, who comes up the most, though. Well, let's let's go a different direction here. Let's say all, all you guys are in your vehicle driving to a gig. It's late at night. And all of a sudden you guys pass some X-Files realm and you can go anywhere you want and see an act in history. Where are you going to go and who do you want to see? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, you know, I'd be interested, because we have such different tastes, I'd be interested to hear what the other two guys would say. For me, I would, it would have to be to go hear, you know, the Thelonious Monk Quartet of the Five Spot in the 1950s. Um, uh, you know, I feel, or even just the Five Spot in general. Like, there was so much incredible music at that time. I feel like that would be where I would want to go. And I feel like I can say confidently the other two guys would love that, too. But you never know. I mean, it's one of the cool things about this band is that everybody's got such different musical tastes. They might say something... You know, they might say, you know, go hear the Rite of Spring when it was performed for the first time or something. So. Yeah, 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 if you could go anywhere for sure. So let me ask you this, you know, as an individual, and you, and obviously all of you guys have distinctive tastes, but why do you all love jazz? That's a really good question, you know. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a tough one to answer, too. I mean, I think for me, there's, like, I remember the first time that I heard, you know, Charles Mingus's music. 
or you know um, the first time that I heard Joni Mitchell's album Hijira and I heard you know Wayne Shorter and Jacopo Pistorius playing in this kind of folk setting I was there's this, this particular kind of element there and that I'd never heard I'd never experienced in anything else you know it's this very very specific kind of energy that I don't know if you find in all other art so I mean it sounds very esoteric very abstract but I just feel like there's some kind of deeply human element and energy there that comes from this kind of improvised music and you know I, I guess it's the it's the thing I'm kind of always chasing you know in my in my listening so let's go to a show after one of your shows and what's one of the nicest things that anybody has ever said to you about hearing one of your shows live it's kind of funny because you know if somebody asked me to describe like who we sound like I could name a few bands but at the same time, I, we've also played shows before, and somebody said, I've never heard anything like that. And, you know, I mean, you can kind of take that in a lot of different ways, that means stylistically or energy-wise, but, I, I mean, that's something that I always like to hear. I always like it when people, you, you know, the way that they react to music is, like, in, in kind of these purely abstract terms. You know, it's like there's this something struck some kind of unique chord for them that they can't put their finger on. You know, I always, for me, I always feel like that's, if it's hard to describe, then you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. That's a great answer. What's next for you guys? What do you, let, let's say we go down the road 10 years from now and I start this conversation with you and say, what's going on? What are you going to want to tell me has happened in the lineage and evolution of this band? Uh, I mean, you know, we've been we've been spending a lot of time, you know, trying to make inroads in Europe. We've been playing in Spain and Germany and, and France and the Czech Republic, and uh, I think we'd like to, you know, keep building on our audience there and keep touring, keep traveling with music. Um, and I mean, I, you know, for me, I, I want each one of our records to be better than the next. It's, it's always funny when you finish an album, you're so kind of exhausted and you can't even picture what you would do next. You know, I love that that idea, that challenge, like of trying to figure out exactly what it is that is going to reflect that the band dynamic what you guys are doing but like what is make the record even stronger next time you know i'd hope that we're you know we keep making records at the same pace kind of like one one every two years or something like that so 10 years from now i hope we've got another you know five albums under our belt right on i always ask this for individuals but i'm going to kind of ask it for you as a band mm. everybody has a perception of who you are as a band as a collective your family your friends the critics everybody but when you all are in your moment together in your element, who are you guys? How, what What is your opera mundi, so to speak? Oh man, that's a very good question. I mean, I think we're fundamentally we're we're a jazz group that doesn't sound like a jazz group very often. You know, one thing people will sometimes say is we'll play a certain song and they'll be like, there's no improvising. Is there any improvising in that song? And there isn't in the traditional sense that there's no kind of soloing. But as a group, I think just the way that we're dealing with the form and, and phrasing and stuff, there's all kinds of different ways to, to deal with improvising in those kind of contexts. So I like the idea of creating a kind of music that's at once very familiar and, and also very, very unfamiliar. So um, I, I feel like for me, that, that contradiction sort of between improvised and really composed, uh, familiar, really unfamiliar, I feel like it's trying to find that very perfect balance in between there. I feel like that's kind of our, our sort of main goal as a band. Perfect. Daniel, that was a great way to wrap everything up. Thank you for taking some time. Thank you for the music. I look forward to what comes out next. Hey, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Canada, the United States, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Dan on behalf of Myriad 3 for his time, his honesty, and all those great stories. 
If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Or you can visit the neonjazz.blogspot.com for all things neon jazz. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends. Neon Jazz.